You are listening to episode 201 of the Mad Chatters podcast, August 15th, 2018. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. I'm Derek, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy. Hey, just a spoonful of sugar really does help the medicine go down. And we're joined by a very special guest, Marshall Knight. Hey, Marshall. Hello. How is everyone doing? Good. We're good. So you joined us back on episode 126, which was... A year and a half ago. Yes. So why don't you fill us in on what you've been up to? Uh, last time we chatted, I was in Gainesville at the University of Florida doing school. And just this week, I finished my last assignment. So graduation, I'm getting that diploma in like a week. Hey. I live in Orlando now. I'm part of the Disney College program. And I'm still obsessed with Raven Simone. So I think... <laughs> Really just keeping a consistent brand for myself is what I've done this past year. Gotcha. So are are you going to like continue at Disney post-graduation or what's the next step? That's my hope. So that's just kind of up in the air right now because I have um, this program until January 3rd. And then from there I can start, you know, applying for full-time, part-time, hopefully going the entertainment route. So we will see where everything takes us. Nice. Now, you know, the big news this year is that Legally Blonde is getting a third film. Do you think a third Princess Diaries is inevitably next? I'm happy you brought this up. I'd like to go on my 20-minute rant now about why Princess Diaries 3 would help revitalize the upcoming Disney streaming service. Chapter 1. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I think it should come. I think as a memory to Gary Marshall, it should happen. I think it should be on the streaming service. I'll stop now. But yes, it should happen. I'm down. Down. All right. Well, let's kick off this week's show by talking about some of the new news items that have that have popped up over the last few weeks. First of all, this is just a quick one, but there's a rumor that Illuminations, its days could be numbered, and that's because the Reedy Creek Improvement District approved extensive electrical upgrades to the World Showcase Lagoon in Epcot. And the word is that these upgrades will cost more than $2 million. So I'm no expert, but it does kind of sound like big changes are coming to that nighttime show. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think it's due because in the same spirit of wishes, when, when that show kind of got to the point of saying, we've seen it, we love it but we're ready for something fresh. I think we're all kind of in agreement that Illuminations is in that same place. I would just hope that they keep that same spirit. Yeah. Uh, In a new show, I love that global feeling, that celebration of Earth. I don't want it to be too Disney-fied. Sure. I mean, I've even said for a long time that a simple thing they could do is add water screens to where you're seeing up close what they're showing on the globe. You know, like, still show it on the globe, but also show it closer to the audience on water screens or something. I'm honestly surprised that hasn't happened sooner, especially with the Rivers of Light ones, where they're kind of, they have to be barges. They don't have to be, you know, in the water, like, World of Color, per se. It seemed like an easy fix. Yeah, exactly. And those screens are much clearer 
I think, than the Phantasmic ones. So we've come a long way. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't want to see Elsa, you know, on top of the world or something. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know it's coming, though. <laughs> I was going to say, there's no way. But, I mean, she is in World Showcase now, so. Yeah, let it globe. Yeah. No, I no. I'm walking out of the room. <laughs> the <laughs> listeners can't see me, but I just slammed the door. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night. Uh, moving on. Uh, this is from the Disney Parks blog, and I'm mentioning it because it sort of made waves nationwide. Today, we're sharing another important step in our journey of environmental stewardship. By mid-2019, the Walt Disney Company will eliminate single-use plastic straws and plastic stirrers at all owned and operated locations across the globe, amounting to a reduction of more than 175 million straws and 13 million stirrers annually. In addition, over the next few years, we're transitioning to refillable in-room amenities in our hotels and on our cruise ships, reducing plastics in guest rooms by 80%. We will also reduce the number of plastic shopping bags in our parks and on our cruise line, offering guests the option to purchase reusable bags at a nominal price. Okay, so I got. Uh, let me just say, this this was definitely like national news, and it's also a part of a national conversation that seems to have happened. That a lot of places are are banning these straws, and it's always funny to me how people stick to their political ideology no matter what. So there was a segment of the population that came out and was like, yes, way to go, Disney. Save the world. Hippy dippy. Yes, yes, yes. And then there was a part of the population that was like, well, what about handicapped people that need straws? And that's like, you never cared about handicapped people. You're just doing this because you see the other side is celebrating this. And then there's people in the middle like me, who my opinion is honestly... If it's going to help the planet, it's a small little gesture that they can do. It's not going to inconvenience your life in any way other than the fact that maybe you have a paper straw now instead of a plastic straw. Then then that's a good thing. That's something that's positive. And okay, so maybe you like a plastic straw. Bring your own. They're, they're still going to be available somewhere. Bring your own straw if it means that much to you. But Disney has said, hey, here's an area where we can be good stewards of the planet, probably save a penny or two and, uh, and do a good thing. And, and I don't think that's bad. Yeah. That's a good point. The bring your own thing. Yeah. And I think a lot, like I have my own like stainless steel straws that I bring places. And on top of that, animal kingdom has had paper straws for what is it now? Two years, three years. And before that they had no straws at all. And no one was like, boycotting Animal Kingdom for not having plastic straws, you know? I think it's well known, though, that Joe Rody hates handicapped people. I think that's known. Oh, that's canon. That is canon. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that's what we can learn from this news item, for sure. Uh, yeah, well, what's funny is they've never actually said we're moving to paper straws, but everyone just went there immediately. And I'm not saying they're not, but they've just said we're getting rid of non-reusables, so I wonder if they're just going to start making, like, Disney copyrighted I don't know, hard plastic reusable straws that they're going to throw in the dishwasher somewhere. The Mickey Bendable ones, that's like a highly coveted thing. It like, you know, people go asking for them, will pay for them, what have you. So I think it makes drinking fun. Look, we saved the world and <laughs> put your milk in a Mickey shape. It's all good. We're all good. I'm telling you, reusable straws are going to be the next popcorn bucket. Lines <laughs> will form oh. for these things. 
Oh, I'm already into it. Oh, the designs in my head. Thrilled. Oh, I would love an Ursula-shaped one, but she's a little girthy, so that would be a lot of sucking to get your beverage. Well, it would be it would be eight straws, right? <laughs> really, <laughs> really into consuming those liquids. <laughs> eight <laughs> straws at all times. Yeah, heavy drinkers. All right, and the final thing I wanted to talk about is a little film called Christopher Robin that was released a couple weeks ago. Jeremy, you tweeted your rave review. Why don't you share it now? Listen, I really, I love this film. I I absolutely loved it. To me, it captures the innocence and the charm of the Winnie the Pooh franchise. And, you know, in 2018, we're all a little jaded. We're all a little sarcastic. We all have no hope for the future. (laughs) And, And yet this film, like, somehow touched my heart. If you're looking for a cinematic masterpiece, you're not gonna get it here. If you're looking for you know, stimulating intellectual dialogue. This is not an Aaron Sorkin project. This is not going to be nominated for an Oscar. But if you're looking... A popular film, maybe. (laughs) Maybe a popular film, yes. But if you're looking for an hour and a half to just get away and forget your problems, then this is the perfect film for that. I think they really nailed the... Did you see it, Marshall? Yeah, yeah. I saw it with a friend here, and she cried from opening credits to end credits. <laughs> Went to the bathroom in the middle, and then I said, why didn't you bring napkins back? And she said, I forgot. <laughs> so that's the best review I can give it, is it's that good. Yeah, I thought they really nailed the characters, like Pooh especially. Um, Rabbit was barely in it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you're just you're just jealous because you are rabbit. Because, That's why come on, I need to see myself on screen. <laughs> come on. Uh, I thought the story was a bit of a mess, but like just, just tuning in to these characters once again, like made it worth it to me. You know, story aside, I just loved watching these characters interact with the quote unquote r- real world around them. I thought that was fun. No, it's one of those I, don't think too deeply movies where you're like, wait, weren't they imaginary friends, but now they're real and everyone can see them. Is this how I solve dark matter? It's one of those movies, <laughs> yep. but it's still great. No, and, and I loved it too, because I, I can agree with your friend, very emotional at the beginning when he's a little boy and playing with his aunt, you know, with Pooh and all them. And then very emotional at the end. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I welled up a little bit. I, I got a little, little proclimped in the middle of the film there so i mean to be honest it was kind of bleak like even some of the funny lines i i struggled to laugh because i'm like this whole movie has been kind of dark and i it feels odd to laugh now yeah and and again don't think too deep on it because i it did kind of hit me one critique the message of the movie when you kind of look at it at it from an objective standpoint is like Ah, don't work hard and don't, <laughs> don't worry about things in adult life. Just just be chill. <laughs> it's like, well, no, 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 no. That's not the message we want. I think the message that we really want to share is don't lose touch with those things in your childhood as you become an adult. Uh, I think that would be the better message to be to be sent out. Yes, but at least 10 times they utter the phrase do nothing or doing yeah. nothing. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, yeah. no. Like, do something. Yeah. When you do nothing, you don't you don't get Winnie the Pooh. You get uh, you get uh, you know Chad who works at Blockbuster and lives in his parents' basement. <laughs> that's that's do nothing in the real world. The one remaining Blockbuster, you mean? I was gonna say, <laughs> so, yeah. In I work at Borders, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys stay for the credits? Of course, and I audibly squealed in the theater, and I was the only one. It was kind of embarrassing. 
And uh, people were like, well, who's that? And I'm like, that is Richard Sherman. What do you mean? Who is that? that he's a Disney legend. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong. That's an original song, right? Like we've never heard that before. Correct. He okay. wrote it specifically for this film. Okay. As I was looking it up, that whole doing nothing quote is an A.A. A. Milne quote from one of the books. Oh, um, okay. It's not like the lyrics twisted it a little bit, um, but the whole doing nothing is what I do best. Something like that. That's an A.A. A. Milne. So I thought that was nice that they tied that into the movie. Yeah. it's See, it, it's one of those films that when you're having a bad day in the future and you have this in your, in your Blu-ray collection, you'll pull it out, sit on the couch, and just forget about your problems. Hmm. That and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Those two films do it for me. I don't know where to go from there, so <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> ah, I love it. Well, you know, the Bible say music makes the people come together. That is in the book of, of uh, Madonna. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so it's time for a Mad Chatter's playlist. Now, this is when we compile a group of songs under a certain theme and then uh, attach songs that we think fall into that theme. And tonight's theme, a little different, and I was the one that suggested it, and then I had a really hard time finding songs for it. So anyways, it's called uh, Weird Disney Songs. So these are songs that are just lack of a better word, weird. Either maybe the melody is weird or there's the lyrics are weird or just strange in general or just give you a strange feeling. Whatever. You'll you'll pick it up as we go. Yeah. When you suggested it, a song immediately came to mind. And that's Magic Journeys, which is the old song from Epcot, which then moved to Disneyland, which then came back to Magic Kingdom before finally going away, I think in the 90s. Uh, I have never seen the full film that this song was set to. And speaking of Richard Sherman, this is a Richard and Robert Sherman song. It is the most trippy sounding song I've heard full stop, let alone at a Disney park. And I did watch a few clips of the film and there are like children flying. And gosh, I don't remember what else, but it's all like butterflies turning into different things. And it's basically... A dive into your imagination. In fact, I think it debuted at the Imagination Pavilion, which makes sense now. It's this is like the furthest from the the Sherman Brothers that you can imagine. Totally. It, I mean, if you think of like an a seventies or eighties TV show where there's a segment where they trip acid, this song <laughs> would play over it. It is so bizarre sounding. See 
When I thought the Shermans in the 60s did that weird acid trip that one weekend, they went like all over London. It was weird. They don't talk about it a lot, but they wrote Magic Journeys. <laughs> I'm almost positive that is the story to, of how they wrote that song because it's banana pants. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Have you seen the film like on YouTube or anything? It is very, very frightening. I don't, I don't like it. I, but it, it, I don't like a lot of the songs in the Disney Company from the seventies. Um, like the music in Robin Hood, with the exception of Not in Nottingham, the rest of those songs are like the love song in that film, very trippy and very like. When I think of the seventies, I think of like a very like fluty sort of song, like the ah. Like that kind of voice singing. <laughs> oh, oh, right. I'm familiar. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. The 70s were a weird time. Yeah, well, what's odd is that Just Next Door, you know, was the uh, journey into imagination. And it had a fun, lively, cute, charming song. And then you go next door and you're like, what is happening? Mm. All right, Marshall, what's your first pick? I would like to hearken back to the uh, box office juggernaut that was Oz the Great and Powerful. What? <laughs> um, because if you're not, if you don't remember fondly, which who does? There was a Mariah Carey single that was released with that movie called Almost Home. That, first of all, what? Secondly, she sings in like a baritone voice for some reason that still makes no sense to me to this day. And it just doesn't make sense that she sang for that movie and had no relationship to that movie. And there's like no chance of a whistle tone heard. It's bonkers. And really, go ahead and give it a listen. Almost home from Oz the Great and Powerful. Because it's just one big, huh? Interesting. I never saw that movie. And I don't think I ever knew that that song existed. Right. You and the rest of the world. <laughs> the theater so angry after I watched that movie because James Franco has the laziest performance I have ever seen of any actor in any film ever it's like the whole time it, it kind of reminded me like if he was in like a high school drama class and he was the kid that was too cool to be there but he got a part and so he was kind of just like out of the corner of his eye the whole time looking at his friends across the room being like this is so stupid i can't believe i'm in this like his whole performance is so lazy and it ticked me off i hate that movie i don't know why you're saying that for just that film because that's james franco in general though let's be quite honest yeah you're probably right but but when he plays a stoner it, it, it works you know well but... story checks out <laughs> but he you know it, it, to me that movie could have been good even the Mariah Carey could not help that movie. <laughs> even Mariah. Ugh. Yes, even Mimi couldn't save us. Uh, my, my first pick is um, a movie that I used to love. I still love, but I, especially when I was a child, I watched this movie over and over and over and over. And this, this scene didn't scare me, but it definitely 
weirded me out even as a child, and that is Pink Elephants on Parade from Dumbo. Uh, I grew up in a very conservative home uh, where alcohol was not necessarily uh, looked upon with favorable eyes. And so the fact that Dumbo was getting drunk was already a little bit of a (laughs) no-no. But then the fact that he got drunk and started seeing weird things, which as I got older and and enjoy an alcoholic beverage from time to time, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, like you don't see things when you're drunk. (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's not true. It's it's very weird. Uh, but just that whole sequence is weird to me. And um, as as a lover of fiction and a lover of film, I find dream sequences in fictional works to be extremely lazy. Um, in fact, I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. Who was Aaron Wall or something? Anyways, and uh, this is, seems like a lazy cop out to do this sort of scene in the middle of this movie, and it's just scary. Two things about that. I think, A, the imagery makes it even weirder. Like, it's a weird song when you listen to it, but I think it's the imagery that really sets it apart as a weird Disney song. But B, this came right on the heels of Fantasia. Have you ever thought, like, this was just a leftover segment from Fantasia that that hit the cutting room floor, and they were like, I've got it. Let's go. Yeah, it could have been. Because Dumbo's only, what, 70 minutes long, so they needed some fillers. Yeah, it's just it's just strange. And and now that Tim Burton's going to be doing Dumbo, I'm really going to be tripped out by this. Well, the pink elephants are in it. They're in the trailer. Yes, I, I remember. I, I, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and I cowered in fear. It's that and Heffalumps and Woozles. It's like the same exact song and the same exact tone. Yes. And the same exact acid trip. Totally. <laughs> yes. I've never put that together. Yeah. Pink elephants. Yeah. Huh. Uh, my second pick is a little different and very recent, but I remember when I saw this movie in the theater being so struck by how odd this song felt in the middle of it. The movie is Moana, and the song is Shiny. Mm-hmm. Now, I genuinely love this song. Like, the more I listen to it, I think it's... I just think musically, it's... I think I like it because it's different, but while watching the film, you're just hearing all these sort of Polynesian-themed and styled songs, and in the middle of it, you have this sort of glam rock, David Bowie, Freddie Mercury-type song, and it just caught me so off guard. In fact, I didn't even really listen to what he was saying, because I'm like, what is happening in this scene? But as I said, like, the more I listen to the soundtrack, the more I get really excited when this number comes on. I'll never hide. I can't. I'm too shiny. Watch me dazzle like a diamond in the rough. Strut my stuff. My stuff is so shiny. Send your armies, but they'll never be enough. My shell's too tough. My, where my 
But you can try, try, try But you can't expect a demigod To beat and take a part Pick it up You will die, die, die Now it's time for you to take a part In your aching heart Far from the ones who are Yeah, it is a bit out of place uh, in, in connection to the rest of the songs It doesn't really flow But it is kind of a toe-tapping, you know, fun fun number yeah, I don't know about toe-tapping, necessarily, but yes. Wow. I tap my toe. Well, and to be fair, the the villains always have a sort of different-sounding song than the other characters do. So I don't know why it caught me so off guard, but I was just like, oh, this is not Disney. Yeah, but on the other hand, too, like it's funny, I don't really consider him like a big villain. So the fact that they even gave him a song is kind of interesting to me. But... Yeah, that's true. It's really the only time he talks is through song. Yeah, and then they kind of leave and we forget all about him. <laughs> yeah, I just it's become one of my favorite Disney songs, which is just so funny considering how much I was confused by it the first time. Amen. Confusion <laughs> a plenty. Okay, so my second one, because I am in the college program, my current location is come over and say hi to me at the Tree of Life every day because I am working at It's Tough to Be a Bug. And We're Pollinators makes no sense. We're Pollinators! We're Pollinators! Get some vegetables! Fresh fruit and flowers! Get next to us, Bob's for our marvelous powers! If it weren't for the fact that we like the taste, you'd be out there... Because that show... I had not seen since I was four years old. I was terrified of it. I had not seen it until day one of training at the Tree of Life. And it was really a personal joke on me and an attack on me. It was like, remember how much you hated this? Guess what? You have to work there every day and see it like 10 times a day now. Um, But that song comes immediately after Hopper appearing, Hopper getting his hornets to sting you, Black Widow spiders coming down from the ceiling, and you being hit with a flash water and attacked with bug spray and then like we're pollinators it's it makes no sense it's totally the biggest shift in <laughs> disney history i would argue and it's weird i think they're telling the audience i know we terrified you to your core but we're still fun bugs nope too late too late and then they make the bugs crawl <laughs> under you at the end nope nope <laughs> nope I definitely leaned forward during the bee sting. Uh, Jeremy was with me when we took my, uh, I guess, four-year-old nephew at the time. Screamed bloody murder the <laughs> yeah. entire show. As as do I. And I'm 22. And I have to work it. I'm getting some looks from some coordinators, so we'll see what happens when I go back to work on Tuesday. But it's horrifying. Uh, my second song is from The Nightmare Before Christmas, and it's the song Kidnap the Sandy Claws. Uh, and I love that movie, and I love the context that this song is in. But when you look at the words, it's really demented, uh, because this is Santa Claus. This is a beloved figure in American folklore that children around the world uh, idolize and, and love. So when they say things like, 
kidnap the Sandy Claus, throw him in a box, bury him for 90 years, then see if he talks. Or, kidna- um, well, I've got a better plan to catch this big red lobster man. Let's pop him in a boiling pot, and when he's done, we'll butter him up. They want to boil Santa Claus alive and then bury him alive as well. It's just very demented. <laughs> it's, it's like when you really stop and think about the fact that you are murdering Santa in a children's film. Mm. I do declare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the, the lyrics are tongue-in-cheek and they're meant to kind of paint a picture of those characters. Yeah, I say that we I say that we take a cannon, aim it at his door, and then knock three times. When he answers, Sandy Claus will be no more. Gun violence, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that in the new releases they have not taken that out. Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> One, two, three. Pin up the Sandy Claus, beat him with a stick. Lock him up for 90 years, see what makes him tick. Uh, my third pick, also from early Epcot, again, a show I never got the chance to see, but I have, for my entire Disney fandom career, have been obsessed with the show Kitchen Cabaret. Ah. Just because it is the most, like, it just blows my mind that this existed in a Disney park. And if you don't know, it was a, I don't know, 15-minute cabaret show performed by audio animatronics talking about basically the food pyramid and healthy eating habits. And the song I want to talk about specifically is Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit, where it's my jam, where the broccoli head and some peas and a pod and all these other vegetable audio animatronics come out. And here's the first verse. I simply have to tell you that my friends who are singing are delectable. Meals are divine as long as you can dine with fruit and vegetables. They're good for you, everyone. They make your meals a lot of fun, like a carnival. Like a carnival. <laughs> veggie, 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 fruit, fruit. fruit. <laughs> veggie, fruit, fruit. Veggie, veggie. Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, those fresh, ripe performers, the colander combo and the fiesta fruit. There are no substitutes for we veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. You see, a balanced meal always wins with our vitamins. A and C, 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 fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit, veggie, fruit, fruit. People who did see this show love this song. Like, it's super nostalgic for them, and I get that. But as someone who never saw it, I can honestly say it's weird. It's very, it's very Wiggles to me. Like, I, can, oh. I just feel like they would do this song. I love that analogy. <laughs> it's, I think the theme of this playlist today is just acid trip. Like, if you <laughs> find acid in, like, a public restroom at a park, like, listen to the songs we're describing today. Because, man, you will have a time and a half. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Not that we're advocating taking acid that you randomly find, children. (laughs) Absolutely not. Take it from someone you know. Kidding. Also kidding. Also kidding. (laughs) I, my third pick kind of goes to your Sandy Claus thing. 
similar because there's also a Santa Claus reference. And it's a way for me to talk about Freaky Friday. I think Freaky Friday is an underrated Disney Theatricals production. However, the stage version, because as we know, the DCOM just premiered and I, my Twitter has become a Heidi Blick and Staff stan account. It's a thing that's happening. Anywho, there's a song called Parents Lie that in the movie and in the stage show, Heidi Blick and Staff, who is the mom who is inhabited by her daughter, sings to their younger brother kind of about... Um, you know, don't trust your parents, not in like a bad way, but, you know, they because their father dies, you know, off screen. They don't have a father. She's marrying someone else. So they're kind of all bitter about that, the kids. And she's talking about parents lie. They say they love you and they care, but they're, you know, marrying other people and they're not really there for you. And they're always telling you you're wrong, whatever. But in the stage production, there's a line where they talk about lies, uh, no one likes broccoli, we're all bad at flossing, and everyone's sleeping in church. And they go, Buck the dog's not at a farm, Buck is dead. So that one's in both, the movie and the stage show. In the movie, she goes, and soda won't kill you despite what I said, which is harmless. But on stage, she goes, and Mike wasn't wrestling with mom in their bed. Huh? Whoa. Which, which makes you go, who is this for? <laughs> and then the next line on in the movie, they go, and magic... Just forget what I said. And then she goes, no, magic is real. And on stage, she goes, and Santa Claus, just forget what I said. And then no, Santa's the shiz, which is, it's one of those things where you think, who did Disney make this for? I mean, I'm glad it exists. It's a great cast album, but it's like, is this geared for teens? But it's still a movie that all kids would have seen. So you're telling kids that your parents are getting it on in bed and also Santa doesn't exist lol enjoy your playbill and the rest of the show it's bonkers just of what was written in and what was allowed on stage and then clearly like abort abort before getting to screen I know it's upsetting but life isn't fair and parents die they tell you Listen to both versions, because it's interesting to hear what was changed and what was allowed. Like in the title number, they say kick ass on stage, but epic in ah. the movie. Very weird what Disney thought And where, be okay. where was this on stage at? So Disney Theatricals started it at Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey, and then it toured big cities okay. uh, just as a way for it to be licensed. I don't know if you are familiar with how Newsies was set up at Paper Mill, originally mm -hmm. just to be licensed, and then they went. Um, and did it on Broadway, but it had the hunchback route of like, they did it in New Jersey, mostly just so they had an album and a way for schools across the country to look at it for licensing. Gotcha. And did you enjoy the Disney Channel original movie version? We're recording this on a Sunday. I watched it Friday, the night it premiered and Saturday. Um, some would argue it's a problem. I wouldn't. <laughs> well, I'm it's actually... So good. Since you brought it up, a uh, cheap plug here. I'm going to be on Disney with a Z, Coast to Coast, with Jeff DePauly talking about Freaky Friday, the musical, this coming this week. Oh. Just talk about Heidi Blick and Steph for the whole time, if you could. I'll Venmo you some cash, because <laughs> she deserves a Disney Legend Award. 
uh, wow. adoption papers to adopt me, um, <laughs> a name of a constellation. There's really nothing that Heidi Blickenstaff doesn't deserve. So yeah, that's where Anne rant over. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a clear night. I can see the Blickenstaff from here. <laughs> yes. I'm going to make yeah. that happen. I've been meaning to talk to the neighbors about closing the curtains. My third song. <laughs> I'll see myself out again. Uh, <laughs> my third song is the reason why I came up with this playlist. Uh, because this is by far the weirdest Disney song that exists. As far as what the heck, WTF, what the Frisbee is going on. And that is Hellfire from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hmm. Beyond. Beyond. Let me just read you. Let me just read some of the lyrics. Some from prose, this song. please. Yes. <clears throat> Protect me, Maria. This is Madonna, who I quoted earlier from the Bible, of course. Uh, Protect me, Maria. Don't let this siren cast her spell. Don't let her fire sear my flesh and bone. Destroy Esmeralda and let her taste the fires of hell, or else let her be mine and mine alone. This whole song is about let her burn in hell or let me have sex with her. That's really what the core of the song is. Really the biggest takeaway from Hunchback is Frollo's a horn dog and he likes to sing about it. That's that's it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he's a he's a horn dog with convictions though. Yes, exactly. Ooh, that's the memoir. That's the memoir title right there. <laughs> I'd buy that in an airport. <laughs> Yeah, this song, I mean, like, like we talk about the other songs from Hunchback and how amazing they are. I mean, Out There is without a doubt one of my top five best Disney songs ever. It's incredible. Heaven's Light, you know, the kind of the, the lead in to this song. Beautiful. This song, and when you really look at it, you're like, oh, my goodness gracious. Who thought this was a good idea? I mean, this is some heavy stuff. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, honestly, this is why the movie didn't work for me, because the contrast of all this heaviness with, like, the gargoyles and the slapstick stuff, I'm like, decide what kind of movie you want to be. But I think I, I lean towards the darker stuff, like, that's my preference, because I think Hellfire is a terrific song, but you're right, for a Disney film, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's yeah, heavy. I mean, it was the mid-90s, we just invaded Kosovo, it was a different time. I like how that's your reference point. <laughs> Honey, Kosovo and Hunchback. That is the mid-90s. Like fire, hell fire, this fire in my skin, this burning desire is turning. Um, going back to the aforementioned Hunchback stage version, though, that they performed and built much darker, going yeah. more for the Hugo thing. So if any of listeners are interested in that darker tone and enjoy Hellfire, check out the Hunchback uh, stage adaptation album on like Apple Music or what have you, because a lot of darker stuff and a lot of gorgeous choral stuff, because they really amplified that chorus and took away Jason Alexander as a dumb gargoyle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. The stage version really brought out everything that works musically for that story. Yep. All right. Well, those are pretty weird. Weird picks. Let me 
gypsy has escaped. What? She's nowhere in the cathedral. She's gone. But how? I... Never mind. Get out, you idiot. I'll find her. I'll find her if I have to burn down all of Paris. Hellfire! Disney's Hollywood Studios opens up Upland, uh, which is really just a cemetery with Carl, Ellie, and Doug's graves. In the year 2071. Due to the popularity of Magic Kingdom's many Instagram-worthy walls, fast passes for those attractions have now been bumped up to Tier 1, meaning each guest can now book Fast Pass Plus for only one Instagram wall. Options include the Purple Wall, the Castle Wall, the Country Bear Wall, the Haunted Mansion Wall, the Tom Hart's Becky Wall, and the wide selection of construction walls located throughout the park. In the year 2071. Minnie's Valentine's Day hard ticket event at the Magic Kingdom will feature the greatest number of in-park arrests as character performers' stalkers become too handsy with a few princesses. In the year 2071. Uh, Disney CEO Marshall Knight greenlights the reboot of Sabrina the Geriatric Witch. In the year 2071. With the Imagineers hard at work, new Disney rides are popping up faster than ever now that the only required elements are ride vehicles and a series of blank walls and corridors, as the rest is left up to projection technology. In the year 2071. The success of Pandora and the need for IP will have the creation of Jamestown at Disney's Animal Kingdom, a detailed land from the world of Pocahontas with exact copies of Pandora rides, just with Pocahontas instead, because, like, same movie. In the year... After decades of global warming and rising tides, Disney is proud to open their new beachside tropical resort in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's right, folks. Come experience the Disney magic where the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans meet. In the year 2071. In their continuing efforts to be environmental stewards, the Disney parks will now print all park maps on completely recyclable paper made from hemp and rice straw. Furthermore, all quick service meals will be served on large palm tree fronds. In the year 2071. The live action reboot craze will hit a peak with the success of Home on the Range, grossing over $2 billion in China alone. In the year uh, Beauty and the Beast live on stage celebrates its 80th anniversary and still going strong. Thank <laughs> you. 
Here on our show, we love discussing the little details at the Disney parks because as much as we love the restaurants and the e-ticket attractions and the fireworks spectaculars, in many ways, it's the little details that keep us coming back because they're the things that we might not notice the first 10 times we visit, but the more we return, the more we appreciate what they add to the theming, etc. And I think that definitely can be said of the detail we're discussing today, and that's the signage at Magic Kingdom. Attraction signs, restaurant signs, directional signs, Magic Kingdom is full of them, and today we're going to talk about why they matter and what we personally appreciate about them. Uh, so to do this, we're going to take a sort of virtual stroll around the park. We're going to stop in each land to talk about our favorite signs. But before we do that, I want to pose this question to the two of you. What do you look for in a good park sign? In other words, what do all of your favorite park signs have in common? Well, for me, my favorite park signs have kinetic energy even though they may be stationary there's a feel that they're more than just a flat sign of information but that they have character and whimsicalness to them as well i'd agree with that also i think for me it's font if it's a basic font that looks boring i'm not gonna like your sign it has to have something with character something with uh accoutrement nice for me, sometimes the sign doesn't even have to be all that impressive as long as like the thing it's talking about is nostalgic and sentimental to me. Like I'm thinking just the Magic Kingdom sign at the railroad station, you know, is always going to be a little magical to me just because it's like your home. You know, here you are, you've made it. And what about Comic Sans? Can we do Comic Sans? No. Forever forbidden. You can you can keep your Comic Sans at Six Flags. Oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Comic Sans is at a 50s primetime diner and it still stresses me out to this day. Wait, where? You know that the the movie reel that's or the TV reel that's on all the TVs? Yeah. The countdown is using Comic Sans. Oh no. And I, I want to just like smash every TV with a hammer when I go inside. <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, as we talk about the signs, let's start at the front of the park because I personally think some of the most important signs are there when you first enter. So you've gotten off your bus or the ferry or the monorail, whatever it is, and the two signs you're going to see before you even walk under the train station, the first one is the big, I already mentioned it, the big Magic Kingdom sign that sits in front of the railroad station. Families are lined up in front of the Mickey Floral getting their picture with this sign in the background and Marshall I want to know if you remember the hoopla over this sign losing the word the at the beginning do you take a stance on that no I don't care okay. <laughs> people were like selling their firstborn to try to get an article added back to a sign I, <laughs> I don't I have no preference well I didn't notice it until recently but it it lost the the but it also lost I think, I mean, I was looking at my photos today from just a few months ago versus last year, and it lost the word the in front of Magic Kingdom, but it also used to say the population and the elevation. Well, you can't see, but there's steam coming out of my ears now. 
<laughs> yeah, so now it just says EST, like established, and on the other side it says 1971 with Magic Kingdom in the middle. Well, you know, some continuity would be preferred because the big sign over the parking lot where you pay to come into the parking lot doesn't say the. It just says Magic Kingdom. So I think it's Ooh. fine that it just says Magic Kingdom at the train station. Yeah, I totally agree. Less pretentious. She used to be like, I'm the Magic Kingdom, but now she's fine with herself. She's comfortable in her own body. She's just Magic Kingdom. She doesn't need to prove that she's the only one. We no. are. No. Yeah. I do like this sign. Um, as simple as it is, I think, it, like I said, it just evokes all those feelings for me. Uh, but speaking of evoking feelings, the next sign you'll come to is above the entrance tunnels. And it simply says, here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. Okay, now this sign is important for me. And I like that it's not flashy. And I like that it's hidden in plain sight because a lot of your guests I don't think are going to look up to see it or if they do look up they're going to be looking at the train station or those kind of things but this to me is like a little hidden nugget of Walt magic right there at the beginning yeah I love that phrase here you leave today is that Walt himself like is that a quote oh good I don't know he I'm sure he said those words maybe not in those orders but uh maybe I mean, I tried to Google it a hundred different ways today. And of course, it just keeps coming back with this plaque and Walt Disney World. But it does sound like something he would say. Like, I thought maybe it was part of his Disneyland opening speech. But as far as I know, it wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a summarized version of his opening day speech. It's the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah. It's the Quizlet. That's what it is. The Quizlet. Hey, guys, oh. put, put his speech on the plaque. It won't fit. Okay. Uh, just try this. Try this combination of words here. <laughs> they had to pay by the letter, so mm. that's why they shortened it down. Yeah, but if there's if there's any sign... I mean, the purpose of this episode really is, you know, hopefully we get at least one listener out there to start taking notice of some of these signs throughout the park because the signs are more than just decoration that they hope you won't notice. Like, they hope you will see these signs. And if there's one sign that I hope listeners will take more notice of than they did before, I think it's this one. Just because, like you said, it's so simple, but it says so much and it, it holds so much magic in it, I think. Oh, can we go back to the to the, the Magic Kingdom sign real quick? Yeah. Uh, let me test your knowledge. What was the population number? When? Like most recently? According to this picture, I just Googled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did it change? I think it changed. I think it was like giving a running number of how many people had walked through that front gate. I don't know because this sign, the number looks very stagnant. Like it doesn't change. Uh, Is it highly specific? Uh, not highly specific, but it's it's specific enough. Okay, I looked at my photo. Um, I was just I I was trying to think of a day I know that I remember specifically taking a picture of that sign. So I went back to October first, twenty sixteen, which w would have been the forty fifth anniversary. And at that point, the population said six hundred million. Okay, so that's what it's that, that's what all these pictures I'm looking at on on Google Images is saying, and then the elevation. Oh, no idea. One hundred and eight feet. Okay. okay. So I bet you that's the actual elevation because Florida is not a tall tall state, you know. Interesting, but yeah, that's gone now. It just says Magic Kingdom. 
Okay, so as you pass under the sign that says, here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy, I think it's also important to note the attraction posters that are on your left and right, because I love the idea, and I just found this out recently, and I don't even know if it's true, but I love the idea that these attraction posters are sort of like, as you enter a movie, which is kind of what you're doing, like Magic Kingdom tells a story, as you're entering a movie, these are the now-playing posters on either side of you and it's like the attractions you're about to see because they're now playing yeah it's supposed to be like a preview kind of before the, the the grand reveal of the castle this is a preview of what's to come uh i like that idea as well i think it's kind of kind of cute yeah and i love the posters themselves like one day i want to do an episode just on attraction posters because i think they are just gorgeous pieces of art i can agree i i have the teacups one tattooed on my back wow that's dedication right there. <laughs> it really is. Uh, post that on Instagram tomorrow, please. <laughs> I have the the from the Magic Kingdom sign tattooed on my foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no explanation needed when people see it. They just get it. They're yeah, like, they're like, oh, you took it. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last sign that I wanted to talk about before we actually get into the park is at the base of the flagpole in Town Square. And it is a plaque, and it has the entire speech that Roy O. Disney gave on the day Walt Disney World opened. Um, I'm just going to read it. It says, Walt Disney World is a tribute to the philosophy and life of Walter Elias Disney, and to the talents, the dedication, and the loyalty of the entire Disney organization that made Walt's, Walt Disney's dream come true. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place. A magic kingdom where the young at heart of all ages can laugh and play and learn together. These kind of things are important to keep in the park. And I'm very glad that these kind of signs exist because this is the kind of stuff that keeps us grounded as Disney fans. We remember our roots and it's always important to remember where you came from. In fact, I think you and Jeff Defali did a whole episode, right, on these kind of opening day signs? Yeah, we did. It, it was his idea to read the plaques from all parks in the United States. And it is kind of, like, I feel like I've heard this speech several times, but it was kind of neat to dissect it word by word. And they really put a lot of thought into the speech. And I'm glad they did, because now it's preserved forever as this plaque at the front of the park. But I just, I, I wish I took more time to look at this because it is a good like you said it's a good reminder of what this park is built on but with that out of the way let's go ahead, let's go ahead and move on into the park and of course we're going to stop on main street usa and uh who wants to do the honors of sort of this how would you describe the signage theme throughout this area serif Font humor, no one, crickets, I, I'll see myself out. I, I don't think I understood what you said. <laughs> serif, like S-E-R-I-F. Okay. Like, I thought you had a speech impediment trying to say sheriff. You're right, actually. <laughs> I was testing you and you win. No, serif, like, am I really going to into font types right yes, now? please do. You know, like, if you're sans serif and serif are two different types of fonts and serifs kind of have like an extra line on top of mm. a word to make it a little more fancy mm -hmm. but then sans serif is more like 
clean lines. Does that kind of make sense now? Mm-hmm. And sans mean, like, not there. Very much so. Ooh, we have a grammar king today. <laughs> Thank you. I j- try to keep up with Derek. I think we've all learned a little something today. Wow. Wow. I'm getting emotional, actually. <laughs> Uh, well, for me, what describes these is not just the font, but the fact that they're, most of them are made, well, not most, a lot of them are made out of popcorn lights. Like, I've always loved the confectionery sign because all the letters in confectionery are spelled out using light bulbs, which really adds to the effect, of course, you know, at nighttime when the lights come on. Same with Casey's Corner. And Town Square Theater now, too, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that sign. Town Square Theater is probably my favorite signage on Main Street. I love the lights on it, but I also love the banners that are displayed showing, you know, Mickey Mouse, Meet the Magician or whatever it is. And to me, this is very reminiscent of that turn of the century uh, because, you know, they didn't have a lot of fancy uh, projection and electronics and things. So this is how they advertise is using banners. Now, a big deal was made out of the House of Magic facade a few months ago because apparently uh, one of the side shops, part of the Emporium, was the House of Magic for a long time, but then it went away and I think became the Hall of Champions or maybe something else. Maybe I'm confusing those. Uh, But that side of the street was being refurbished for a long time and when it reopened, people were surprised to see that they brought back the title House of Magic. And I like that sign a lot. Like, um... It's got kind of a creepy feel, like dripping wax, sort of. Uh, And even the building it's on sort of looks like Bates Motel, which goes along with that sort of creepy theme. Yeah, but the problem with with Main Street with these signages is that they're kind of false advertising. Because it's just one big store, and it's not connected to the exterior. So, I don't know, it kind of is, is, is a weird bait and switch. Before I was at Tree of Life, I was a member of the Glow Cart team for a month. So I had my cart full of the Squeeze Breeze fans one day, and I heard two different families go, Ooh, House of Magic, let's look in there. And I wanted to be like, you're gonna be disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, because even in the window displays, they have like bird cages and things a magician might use, but then on the inside, it's just t-shirts. Right. And and I'm sorry, what, what kind of things did you have on your cart? They're called squeeze breezes. It's just the fans, you know, the fans with the water mister ah. in them. They're technically called squeeze breeze. Gotcha. How many of those would you have on a cart at a time? A uh, 38 on top, 25 underneath, and 24 waters on top and underneath. Wow. How did it feel being responsible for $3 million worth of merchandise? Um, It was great, especially with a cash apron on. So I was like, anyone could jump me in any second. <laughs> Because those things aren't cheap. What were they a pop? $20. Woo! Lord. They sold like hotcakes. Of course they did, because people will pay $15 for a balloon. (laughs) Touche. Let me tell you, when I was at the Magic Kingdom a few weeks ago, we were waiting for the fireworks, and somebody accidentally let their balloon go, you know, like, float away. And, like, the whole collective vibe of Main Street, everybody said, Aww. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, that's sad that that kid lost that, but it's really sad that there goes $20. (laughs) Really, though? Because the kid's going to wake up in the morning and not even remember that balloon. But the parents will remember that $20. (laughs) For real. I always find it interesting that they're third party. Oh, really? Yes, all balloon vendors are third party. Isn't that crazy? That is. Huh. I'm never buying one again. (laughs) 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Stick it to the man. That's right. We're okay. getting we're getting all the insider information here this week. Oh, you got the cast member T, honey. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're on Main Street, I think it should be noted that the windows of Main Street, which we talk a lot about on our show, are an important part of the signage. Of course, you know, they just they contain the names of people who contributed something important to the Disney company. Uh, But are there any other signs that stand out to you in this land? As a college program cast member, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the casting agency door because it is an unwritten law that once you start your CP, you must take a picture with the casting agency door, post it on Instagram, including some long blurb about how much this means to you and the emotion this brings and how exciting it is. And then at the end of your program, you post the same picture saying, I can't believe it's been this long. (laughs) I have to tell you, I'm ashamed to admit this. I have seen that Instagram post many a time. Yeah. Did not know that door was on Main Street. That's hilarious. Where is it? It's almost kind of near the House of Magic. It's a little bit down in a little enclave on the left-hand side. It's on the Emporium side, but it's a li- there's like a un- there's a covering for it, just a small little covering, so it could be missed easily. But that's become a new wall. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And did you did you do this as well, Marshall? Absolutely not. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm scrolling through your Instagram right now, and I'm not seeing this photo. So no, no, no. I am the opposite of a good CP, but that's a, those stories will come across throughout the rest of this. <laughs> okay, good to know. All right, well, with that, let's go down to the end of Main Street, turn the corner, and head towards Adventureland. And what comes to mind when you think of signage in Adventureland? Um, I like Adventureland because it was my home for a month as well, but there's so many different types of Adventureland. I, someone, when I was getting my tour of Adventureland, when they I started my training, they were kind of describing how Adventureland is broken up into like four different portions of like French Polynesia, Caribbean, Middle East, and then more of the Caribbean. It's the, it's the land with the most background music. So because of that, there's the most feels and signage and fonts. Um, you know, you start like by Bawana Bob's and the Sunshine Tree Terrace and it's very weathered and just generic Adventureland if that makes any sense but then the deeper you go the more distinct styles come in and it's a it's a land of many trades and a land of many signs yeah you're absolutely right like we've talked a lot of, about how Adventureland kind of can't decide what it wants to be it's just sort of like worldwide adventures and not necessarily one part of the world Correct. Uh, but yeah. I, I've never considered that that also translates into the signage yeah. Well, uh, immediately, I think of the the Adventureland sign that's on the bridge as you cross into Adventureland, and I love that sign. Love it. Yes, and to me, that is um, on the same level as like the Jungle Cruise signage, which I love as well, because it doesn't necessarily bring the kinetic energy that I was talking about earlier, but it fits so perfectly to that time period, because. I know you just went through, you know, what Adventureland is. To me, personally, Adventureland is always going to be turn of the century, Teddy Roosevelt, African Queen, uh, imperialism, <laughs> for lack of a better word. I mean, that's really the Adventureland is, uh, como se dice, racism. <laughs> <laughs> 
not necessarily racism, but you know that turn of the you know the turn of the Absolutely. century. When, when sort of American and British people were going out and exploring and you, you get these adventurers out there kind of feel. Uh, it, it, it was the 20s. Nothing was really fancy in the 20s, at least signage-wise. Yeah, I think the Skipper Canteen is like the epitome of that sort of feel. Yes, totally. Adventureland, the uh, I love that archway sign, like you said. And it kind of reminds me of something that would be on Survivor. Like, because mm. it's all made out of materials that someone would be able to make the sign if they were stranded on an island so like the the word itself adventure land is stretched out on this canvas that's been tied with like twine and then there are a bunch of skulls and spears sticking out of it like it just makes me think of something the swiss family might have built if you know if they were stranded on the island like they were fun Absolutely. fact most people don't know jeff probst turns off the torches every night at the magic kingdom <laughs> wow. in Adventureland. most people don't wow. know that the tiki birds have spoken. Yeah. And, and it's also the college, yeah, the college program, that's when you're, you're eliminated as he snuffs out your torch. That's how every program ends. True point. Very that's valid. Right. Marshall, the mouse has spoken. Yep. And then they take away your blue ID and make you cry and run back to the tunnels <laughs> to catch the bus back to the parking lot. But not before you get a picture with the casting agency door. <laughs> no, it's you just process. use the one from the beginning of the program. See? Oh. Yeah, you just use the same picture. Recycle. Yeah. Oh, I was confused by that too. I thought maybe it was like, ah, okay. So I was thinking like you look very haggard at the end in the same spot, like in your no, hair is all the show. You pretend like you nothing has happened to you because you use the same picture twice. It's eco-friendly. It saves the planet for recycling <laughs> uh, Instagram nice. pictures. No more single-use Instagram pictures. No, not at all. <laughs> But my favorite uh, Adventureland sign is the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean gift shop one, the Plaza de la Caribe, because it's about the size of a computer, like a laptop screen, as far as length goes. And then its height is about, I don't know, a crunch bar. It's so small and so nondescript. And it's like kind of made out of, it's like a tile, part of a mosaic type thing. And it's so... Uh, just nonchalant, and I love it so much. Interesting. I can't picture it. Right, because it's so hidden. Because it's even though that's the name of the gift shop, no one think they just think of it as the Pirates of the Caribbean exit gift shop. You know, oh, no one hundred percent. That's what I call it. Right, exactly. Because of course you do. Because that makes sense. But I, my uh, few shifts there made me fall in love with that sign for some funny reason. It kind of blends right in with the little apartments above the store mm -hmm. um, on the outside, which I enjoy very much. Like George's apartment on the right, which is a, here's another cast member secret or whatever. There's a ghost in Pirates of the Caribbean named George. And his apartment is that blue building on the very right side of the Pirates of the Caribbean gift shop. And all the CPs, when you do your stock training, get to climb on up in there and sign inside George's apartment. Oh, fancy. Yeah, fun, fun, fun. Now, how do we feel about the actual Pirates of the Caribbean sign, which is printed on the mast of that wrecked ship out front? I hate it. Really? Okay. So much. I think I like the Disneyland one so much more because it feels more permanent. Yeah. You know, anything that's on a banner to me never feels as permanent as it should be, even if it's meant to be permanent. You know, like the Mickey and Tink, I think, are exceptions because they kind of are flat against the panel if that makes sense. But the mass is just kind of flying. I don't know. It just doesn't feel permanent and it feels 
lazy to me, if that makes any sense. I, I would say if it was just the mast, but it's got the, the crow's nest attached as well. It, so it, it's a little bit more intricate than just a bed sheet out there flying. The thing that I don't like about it is I don't like that the font is the same sort of font that's used in the films. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it dates it and ties it too much to the film. I, I wish they would go with a different type of font there. I think that's a good point. And I might be wrong, but I think this was added when all the Jack Sparrow stuff was added. Like, I don't think the sign has always looked like that. I think that's fairly recent. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah. Because they just stopped having the Pirates of the Caribbean like movie music as background music in that area of the park too. It just stopped like two weeks ago. I heard that. And also a year or two ago, they took, oh, I don't remember what it said, but like when you walk through the entrance and you're not, you haven't quite turned the corner yet. You're sort of in that little breezeway part of the queue. There used to be words on the wall above you that tied it to the movie. And those have been taken away. So I would kind of like to see them. I would like to see the next thing to be changed is for this sign to revert back to a generic Disney attraction Pirates of the Caribbean sign. A thousand percent agree. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, well, if we could back up for a second, I've always really liked the Swiss Family Treehouse sign that looks like a little house. And um, there's even like a thatched roof over the sign. And it's, it's written by the dad. And it has like, on this day, 18 whatever, we built this house for our family. I just think it's like the most charming, adorable little letter printed on the sign that is that greets you as you enter the house. I, I can agree. And we walked through the, the Swiss family house uh, the last time I was there a few weeks ago. And this is a treasure. I, I The more I go through it, the more nostalgic I get towards it. And I love the movie. It's not a popular movie. And I wish they would redo it, if you want to know the truth, for like a modern audience i think it could be could be uh well done you know they did with jane seymour yes okay all right i thought i dreamed this because i thought i had made this up in my head but i remember that yes with dr quinn she was the mom and it was like uh one of the the made for tv uh what would they call that back in the 90s wonderful world of disney yes okay yes 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 i remember that yeah it was sandwiched between like um, Angels in the End Zone <laughs> and some other terrible remake. But yes, it was there. It happened. Yeah. I, I just think that the this, this Swiss Family Treehouse in general is is underappreciated for what it is. It, it's, it's crossed that line now into it's so old. How could we not? Uh, we, we can't get rid of it. How could we not treasure it kind of sure. a thing? <laughs> so... <laughs> You know. um, now, how can we, Jeremy, I, I'm, I was just waiting for you to bring it up, but how can we not mention the Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, basically surfboard sign? Yes, I, in fact, as I'm, I have my iPad here, you can't see this while you're listening, but I have my iPad with signs pulled up from Google Images, and uh, that is on here, because that sign is, to me, Adventureland. It's, and, and it has that 1950s, the colors, that sort of like... They're not pastels, but they're really soft colors. And it just looks like something that that was made by hand in the back. (laughs) You know, like not that it's cheap, but it's just it's not screen printed or you can tell a computer had nothing to do with it. It's just it just has that old feel to me. And I love it. 
Yeah, Disney knows what the treasure it is because in the Marketplace Co-op, they have a few wooden signs like on a smaller scale that you can buy. They're replicas, and the Tiki Room is one of them. I need that. I need that from for my for my house. Yeah, it's great. But what's ironic is this sign is so huge, and Tiki Room is one of the few attractions I always hear people say that, oh, we walked around that whole park, we never saw the Tiki Room, and I'm like, that sign is humongous. <laughs> how did you miss it? Oh my and gosh. it's a giant tower. Like, how do you miss this giant tower? Very much so. My most often question when I was at those parks or at that cart, excuse me, at any of the carts were, where are the rides? <laughs> and I'd go, what? And they'd say, where are the rides or attractions or what have you? And I'd say, which one? And they'd say, just in general. Like, how can you not see all these signs and all these buildings? Anyway. What in the world? They're expecting, like, you know, roller coasters stuck out for everyone to see. Yeah. Oh, even that, my dear mother, she went to the Magic Kingdom once without me. And uh, I said, oh, did you ride Big Thunder Mountain? We didn't see it. <laughs> like, how do you miss Big Thunder Mountain? It's What does it's, that mean? It's big. It's a mountain. How do you miss it? <laughs> All right. So we've made our way through Adventureland. It's wonderful. The jungle sounds. We're going to leave those behind and move now into the Old West of Yeehaw! Frontierland. What's the first sign you think of? Country well, the first jamboree. Yeah, a Country Bear Jamboree is certainly there. Also, Splash Mountain. Those are the main two signs that I can think of for that park. Which Splash Mountain sign are you talking about? Like above the entrance? Okay, so the one that comes to my mind is the one that looks like uh, has Br'er Rabbit. Yes. That's the one that pops into my head initially. Yeah, I love that one. That's over to the left of the drop, kind of. And it's got the arrow saying the entrance is around the corner. Uh, yes. Yeah, it yes. almost looks like a little, um, gosh, like a little lifeguard house, you know, where they sit on the second story. Or like in the parking lot, security, you would sit in one of those. Yes. Yes. It's a, yep, that's it. The Splash Mountain <laughs> sign is a security hut. Br'er Rabbit <laughs> is on security duty. Well, you know, the thing about Frontierland is a lot of the signs are very flat, but it fits that theming because when you see the old westerns, the, all the signage is very flat because that's all they, they had, you know? And, and even the, the facades are flat. There's not a lot of uh, beautiful architecture because these buildings were made to be functional, not to be pretty. True. Okay, Marshall, Mr. Font Expert. What's the font I'm thinking of that Disney uses for the actual word Frontierland? Like when you're... It's sort of close to the hub. There's like a little archway above a little wooden wall wooden path and it says Frontierland on the sign sort of like the entrance and that font has like the big oh I can't describe it the big yes you're showing me a picture uh, hold on I'm doing some font searching right now because I know what you're talking about and that picture makes sense yeah I just don't know what if it's you called Google, if you Google image search Magic Kingdom Frontierland it is on the second row all the way to the right picture. I know I've seen it on Word before, but basically like all the vertical lines are really, really thin, but then at the top and the bottom of the letters, it's just like big blocks. And that would be a serif, my friend. There you go. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I love that font, though. It's just immediately makes you think of like 
Manifest Destiny in like 1800s and old timey and just like they branded it into the wood because that's how they had yeah. to make the signs. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So it's a little predictable, but it's also like, what else would you do? I mean, it's right. Of course, it's going to be that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Um, I the you may get wet sign always sticks out to me when you get down to the bottom of the queue for Splash Mountain and there's Br'er Rabbit and coming out of his feet are like big puddle splashes, you know? I've always liked that sign. And and the signage that's in the queue as you're going down the cave into Splash Mountain, where it kind of looks like it's embroidered. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Like someone has been sitting in a rocking chair making these. Yeah, and it's like, can't run from trouble. Ain't no place that far or something like that. Yeah, and actually, now that you mention it, Splash Mountain has a lot of signs on the ride itself, like Slip and Falls and mm-hmm. uh, Br'er Rabbit's House or whatever that one says. And the shop outside of it, Briar Patch. That's kind of a fun sign as well. Yeah, all sorts of good signs in this land. Now, I've always heard that the numbers above the buildings... So there's that one strip that faces Rivers of America, and all those buildings have numbers at the top, and supposedly those represent the year in which that style of building, that architecture would have been built. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, so like Pecos Bill's Tall Tale whatever cafe, for instance, has like 1847 or something like that, and that's saying that that style of building would have been built around 1847. Little fun fact. Yeah, very fun. I did not realize that. Yeah, I think Liberty Square might do something similar with their building numbers. Hmm. Uh, Before we move on, I I do want to talk about Tom Sawyer Island because this area has some of the most delightful signage anywhere because it all is made to look like someone has taken a paintbrush and painted it. All the S's are backwards Instead of W-A-S, it says W-U-Z for was. One of them says welcome, W-E-L-C-U-M. And of course, the idea is that Tom and Huck themselves have made all these signs because they've built this little island, this little, I don't know, scavenger island for them to explore. They was dumb. (laughs) D-U-M. Was isn't spelled (laughs) W-U-Z? Well... Yes. Yes, it is. My final paper for college is going to get some points off then. (laughs) Yikes. All right. Anything else before we move to Liberty Square? I just would like to say that the diamond horseshoe sign is so great, but it makes me so sad because knowing that there's no show inside always depresses me. I'm like, oh, look how pretty that sign is and how depressing the inside is. Absolutely, yep. because that signage draws people to that building, and then Very there's much. nothing in there except and ham sandwiches being sold for fifteen dollars at Christmas time. Well, now it's a um, family-style dining location, pretty much all year round now. Oh, is it? Oh, good yeah, to it's know. like barbecue or whatever. But then the stage, nothing's on it except for that piano that plays itself. That's except at the haunted mansion. That's that's that is wrong. He um he got a new gig. economy's hard yeah i get it get the money where you can take it you know (laughs) well when is the haunted mansion set Mm. because in liberty square era though wouldn't it be like 1700s oh yeah you're right but when you're dead you're dead you can be dead and play the piano in the 1800s it's fine you know what if i had a nickel 
<laughs> all right, well, speaking of the Haunted Mansion, let's move over there and to all of Liberty Square. And the Haunted Mansion has another sign that they sell at the Marketplace Co-op just because it's so recognizable and it would be easy to hang in, in an office or a bedroom or something. And it's that plaque. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you first enter the queue, it's those brick, it's that brick archway. And on either side on the brick itself is that plaque that says the Haunted Mansion. And it's got that scary horned face on top. And it's kind of circular. Yes. Yeah, it because it, it's kind of like a greenish color, right? I'm bad with colors, but I want to say yes. Okay, because I think it's supposed to be like it's um, like the Statue of Liberty, you know, was not what color was the Statue of Liberty originally like copper. And then it's been rusted or ox oxidated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I took you. chemistry. I don't remember these things, but then it <laughs> kind of turns it green, you know, kind of a feel. Yeah, yeah, I like that sign because the sign that's just over the gate is very generic and boring. Right. And I think the sign over the gate just says Fast Pass and Entrance. Uh, no, there is a Haunted Mansion sign. Oh. I'm, yeah, it, but it literally just says the Haunted Mansion. Oh, okay, <laughs> like, gotcha. <laughs> that, and it's in like very basic uh, non-sans, sans, sans serif, non, that, that kind of font. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's the plaque that most people recognize. It's got that sort of gothic feel. Yeah, the plaques is the way to go. Because like I said, it's got the creepy little little demons on it. And then it's got like a wreath sort of feel to it as well. Yeah. Like a little, little, little fringes around the edges. Actually, the more I look at it, the creepier it actually is. Because the devil at the top has snakes as like coming off of his collar. And there's a skull at the bottom too. And it's not like a fun, whimsical skull. It's a legit skull. Right. And the snake thing is not really featured in the attraction at all. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Liberty Square doesn't stand out too much in my mind as far as signage goes. There's not even really an entrance way. There's not an archway with a big sign that says Liberty Square. It's a very understated sign on that bridge that leads you towards the hub, you know? Yeah, it's definitely something that if you didn't know that you were there, you wouldn't know that you were there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. You, I mean, I could easily see people thinking they're still just in Frontierland. Yeah, the Hall of Presidents signage is kind of boring. Nothing to write home about. Just your very basic presidential blue with some, you know, official looking letters and stars. But other than that, eh, there it is. See, I love the yield Christmas shop sign so much. Oh yeah, it's so quaint and like that oval shape hanging in the wind. And I love the Columbia Harbor House signage. I will give you that. Yes, with the extra U's and that ye old English spelling, and the uh, having like the little logo, like the ship. I think is up top too, right in the signage. Yeah, let me make sure. But I love it anyway. There's also that sign on the side of Columbia Harbor House facing Haunted Mansion. And I think it does have a ship. It's like a big windowsill. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it says Columbia Harbor House and Columbia is in like a banner up top. And then underneath is like a big ship with like multiple sails. Yes, that is on the side. So like the, um, where you actually walk in, the sign is sort of above you and it just says Columbia Harbor House. And then right around that corner is the big windowsill. And you can actually see the people dining 
through those windows with these really cool shutters. And above that is, yeah, it's like a basically a painting that someone has painted, <laughs> like a mural. And it says Columbia Harbor House. There's a big harbor with big ships docked there. And then if we want to get uber technical, if we're considering, I, even though it's, this would be a great segue, it's on the Fantasyland side, I believe, but the Columbia Harbor House sign, that's that copper metal fish and chicken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be technically on the Fantasyland side, but it's still Columbia Harbor House, so still technically you can only enter it from Liberty Square. I'm obsessed with that sign. Man, see, that's another sign that I don't know if I've ever really noticed. It's so Since it's that, like, gold color, it kind of blends in with the walls on that side, so it's, uh, even though it's super showy, it is at the same time subtle. I like it. This is all I'm going to do next time I'm in Magic Kingdom. Not ride anything, just <laughs> take pictures of signs. Wow. I know, it's going to be awesome. You guys just wait. He's fun <laughs> at parties. Yeah, so fun. Since you mentioned it, let's move to Fantasyland, which sort of now that there's a new Fantasyland has kind of two themes going on. Uh, but let's start with basically where you just left off um, as we're coming around near the Tangled Bathrooms and Peter Pan's Flight, It's a Small World, etc., uh, so to me, this is this is like a medieval type theme, yes. Uh, yeah. like like a Renaissance, yeah. Like a fair, yeah, Renaissance fair, yeah. Which, to me, adds up to not my favorite signs in the park. If that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Like, I I think the small world sign for. I like the small world sign. Not my absolute favorite, but it works. I think the Peter Pan sign is tremendous. I was going to say that one just bring, like when I see the Peter Pan sign, it's like I'm in Magic Kingdom. I know that there's magic around and happiness and joy. And that's that personified. Yes, I will give you that, especially compared to the Disneyland one, which looks like just someone kind of carved it out of wood. I, I do really like the Magic Kingdom one where it looks like the kids are flying off into the unknown yeah it's that has that kinetic energy even though they're staying they're just being still there's no movement in the sign itself you get the feeling that they're moving yeah i think i was thinking of the philharmagic one mainly i, I just i've never loved that sign sorry let me pull it I, I don't remember it off the top of my head it's like mickey conducting at the top and then it's just mickey's philharmagic in a serifed font there you go <laughs> I also think it it looks just kind of plastic to me, like if someone just molded a sign out of plastic and popped it up there. Yeah, that has a very temporary feel. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah. when you look at it from far away, it really works well with the whole outside of the building to give like this grand... In it Like, as a whole, it conveys the idea that you're entering this big theater... At a Renaissance fair, but just the sign itself, I'm just not a huge fan of. You know what's odd about this sign is that Mickey's standing there with his arms outstretched and his back is kind of arched and he's looking up. So from from the perspective of being on the ground, you don't really see his face at all. Yeah, it's you just see his chin, you're right. Yeah, and like the bottom of his nose. Like that that was not good thinking as far as, you know, line of sight goes. Yeah. I guess unless you're sitting inside Cinderella's royal table, 
Yeah, like, oh, it's Mickey. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, the other side, the flip side of that, and I know it's not a sign, but the 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 Donald Duck, uh, what do you call it, a statue, I guess, inside the gift shop where he's coming out of the the trumpet. Uh huh. I think that would that that could be up on the sign and work way better. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. I like that. Donald's Philharmagic. Mm. Mm. Now that you, now that you were talking about it too, I realize I actually think. Fantasyland is my favorite signs as a whole. The opposite, because like Sir Mickey's sign hold being held by the beanstalk is like super cute and again has that whimsy and that magic. And then uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, it's connected to the big tree now, so yes. it's even cuter and hanging in the wind. And then, you know, if we're looking at the Enchanted Forest editions, you have the Enchanted Tales with Belle, that's kind of one of. Uh, Love that. Maurice's um, contraptions with like a Lumiere and a Cogsworth on it. Mm-hmm. Gaston's tavern is very cute. Under the sea, Ariel's undersea adventure is like goes with the theming a lot. I think Fantasyland has some rad signs. No, I will agree with you that New Fantasyland absolutely has some of the best. And and I take back what I said because you have sold me Peter Pan's flight for sure is one of the best in my opinion. But yeah, New Fantasyland, like the storybook circus with those popcorn lights, once again, love that sign. I do really like Enchanted Tales with Belle. Uh, so and and yeah, that the Little Mermaid sign is way more grand than it ever needed to be. But I love very it. much and like you're saying, Storybook Circus, it, that's my favorite sign in all of Magic Kingdom. Just the, the grandeur of it all. It's so over the top and yeah. welcomes you in. And at night, it's just so pretty. And it's like, you know, you want to join the circus? Come on in. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Totally. My only complaint with that sign is numerous times I have seen it with bulbs burnt out. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Is that supposed to be that way? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I know it's supposed to be like, Pete is a cheapskate and won't replace things, but come on. Yeah. No, that's that's true. That's interesting. Um, speaking of Pete, I do like that sign as well, where it's it's like the cutout of Pete, and it's a, it's an audio animatronic, I guess, or at least an animatronic, because he's tipping his hat up and down, you know? Yeah, that one is really cute, too. Yeah. And Jeremy, you drew my attention to the Dumbo sign because it just says Dumbo the Flying Elephant on one side, but as you're leaving it says Believe and Soar on the other side. Yes, and I love that. I, and I love that Timothy Q. Mouse is on top. And anytime signage is also my personal Oprah, I appreciate it. Believe and Soar, Jer. <laughs> mm, I do. And even that store, Big Top Souvenirs, has the big popcorn lights and the accoutrement and the over-the-top detail to just give you that feel. Yeah. Storybook Circus, gosh, that is such a well-themed land, and I think the signage is a huge part of that. Right. Storybook Circus does not have to be that nice. (laughs) It's still, you know what I mean? It's like there's still those temporary tents from, like, Mickey's Starland or whatever, and than Toontown Fair, and then even though it's still those tented, you know, those quick tents that they threw up in the 80s or 90s or whatever, they made it into such a cohesive little mini land within Fantasyland that is just the best. Yeah, it really is. They didn't have to do that, guys, but they did that for us. (laughs) They went there. That was for Mm -hmm. us, yeah. I also, the last one, though, in actually the last Fantasyland sign going that direction, the Cheshire Cat Cafe. 
is a really cute sign too. Oh yeah, you're a fan. Yeah, it's super cute. Even though it's actually run by Tomorrowland, it's a cute Fantasyland sign. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes, it's part of the quick service food and beverage rotation for um, Tomorrowland because I, from what I hear in the, like when the park first opened, it was initially a Tomorrowland themed location, but then when they made it Fantasyland, they just kind of kept it in that group. Interesting. So Mad Tea Party is kind of surrounded by Tomorrowland then. Yes. Huh. Um, I forgot to mention it when we were talking about It's a Small World. Uh, I do think a classic sign that a lot of people recognize is the one that's actually above you when you've already boarded your boat. And on your right is Pinocchio's Village House and the people waving out the window. And above you is the sign that says, Welcome to the Happiest Cruise That Ever Sailed. And it's got all the children of different cultures packed inside the little boat. And it's adorable. That's up there with Figaro is a cat. Figaro is a cat. Hey, by the way, I noticed uh, that now they're handing out signs or there's signs for people to hold in the window as you go by on Small World. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I can't recall exactly what the signs say, but that caught me by surprise. I think there's one that says do the YMCA. I think there's (laughs) one that says like, just wave like a basic one. Right. I think. I think one says, uh, um, I'm poor, sir. Give me some rice. I'm not positive on that last one, <laughs> but I think that's what it is. One is like, flip me the bird. All sorts <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, yeah, One is, um, Emma Stone didn't deserve her Oscar. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I think that's I th- that's only when you're dining there, sir. True. I just bring a whiteboard and say, Laura Dern deserves the world. And I wave it frantically at everyone on the boat. <laughs> Uh, it's a small world also has the infamous uh, goodbye signs at the end that have remained unchanged for decades that's the one um, of the magic band technology that guests really are excited about compared to the other ones when their name pops up on the goodbye signs I think that's the one that gets them more excited than any other yeah I'll give you that yeah because like the Everest line ones no one really cares Uh, the space mountain exit you know, screens, no one really cares. But when you see your name on lo- those quintessential goodbye signs, people are like, ah, get your camera out. <laughs> just like that. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> or, you know, get your camera out when they said, what when they were broken down. And what, what did they say again? <laughs> they uh, said, I'll snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day at Frozen Ever After where Elsa's face just says, I'll snap. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like Clippy from Microsoft Word. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, if no one has anything else for Fantasyland, I think that takes us to our final land, Tomorrowland. I think the Tomorrowland Archway is my favorite. As far as entrances go, as much as I love Adventureland, I have always been drawn to that sort of space-looking... It's got dials and knobs and bulbs on that Tomorrowland archway. Do you like it better with the incredible Tomorrowland Expo piece of plywood hanging from it? I totally forgot about that. And the answer is no, that thing is awful. Um, I would argue it's incredible inherently. Nice. Uh, I gotta say Tomorrowland is the most disappointing land for me when it comes to signage. 
one, the Space Mountain sign does nothing for me. Nothing. Uh, and I also don't understand why it's that lime green. Because I don't get any other sort of lime green feel from Space Mountain. If anything, I feel like it should be blue. Hmm. Maybe that's just me. Um, because all the signage inside is blue. I don't know. It's just flat and boring out front. And and I think that needs something a little more grandiose. I, I think the biggest problem with the Tomorrowland signs is they're completely different at night. Which is good. Like, they look great at night. But I think in the day, it really takes away from the effect. I think it's yeah. also, too, that has a part to play in it. But also, there's no cohesion like the other lands. Yeah. Because you have... Mike Wazowski and Stitch on either side as you enter right after you know the big arch is like setting up what the land's supposed to be and then as you walk further in Carousel of Progress is very different from Merchant of Venus which is very different from the Auntie Galaxy ice cream place which is very different from People Mover it's just there's no cohesion so it makes the land signs kind of sloppy in comparison. That's true. You know what I miss is that old Carousel of Progress gear sign. I did like the gears. I, I did, and I do like the the Tomorrowland sign on the bridge, minus the incredible thing. I, I do like that. But even like the Speedway sign, that looks like something, you know, your local Speedway would would put. You know, your local goat carts would would do. Even the color scheme is weird to me. It's the it's Daytona like, Miniland. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, Tomorrowland, like you said, there's no cohesion there because it's it's all very different. The fonts are different. It's sans here and not sans there. See? See? <laughs> Serifs or bus. <laughs> you know what sign I hate? And Jeremy, I think you and I have shared this before. The Buzz Lightyear <laughs> sign that just, it's just painted on the wall all Awful around tacky. the door. Oh, it's so tacky. So terrible. And you know, I'm I'm just still amazed how much love by the average guest Buzz Lightyear gets on a daily basis. And I feel like Disney does zero to promote it, but that line is always out the door. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the wait, and I just lost it again because you were saying Buzz. Oh, and then I thought about if you had wings. My favorite sign in Tomorrowland is the Joffrey's coffee stand. <laughs> Interesting. I can picture Joffrey's it. Joffrey's Revive is a great sign. I can see that. Also, the Tron now programming sign along the um, train tracks is a great new sign. Okay. The new billboard for the attraction, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm hopeful that the Tron coming in will help add a little more. It'll make them try to make Tomorrowland more cohesive. And I think that sign can do a lot. My favorite sign doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Well, my favorite sign is the sunny eclipse sign that sits behind him as he plays. Ah, yes. Yes. Very galactic. Yes, with the with the planets and the yeah. stars. Yeah. Yeah, Tomorrowland is kind of a hodgepodge, isn't it? Yeah. I will say no one does a pun like Tomorrowland. Oh, honey. Honey, puns, honey? That's in tomorrow, honey. <laughs> the lunching pad. <laughs> That's not actually a great sign, though, because it's, like, super neon. Yeah, it very much is. Yeah. 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 All right, well, I mean, that's all the lands. Uh, are there any standouts or anything we've missed along the way? The bypass between Tomorrowland to the front of Main Street has some great signage. Wait, are you being for real? 
Yeah, I actually kind of love them. I think it's a soft spot because anytime I had to bring my cart up to the hub for the squeeze breeze or for at night when I had the glow stuff, like the light up toys, you had to go through the bypass. So I had a lot of time there, like getting everything set on my cart and putting ice on my cart. And those like poster signs are really nice. Like the ads in Main Street for like butter and ice and stuff are cute. Oh, don't know that I've ever seen this. I never paid attention to those. <laughs> well, maybe you should. Maybe no, I but should. really, the, I spent a lot of time in that bypass just being like, I don't want to go on stage, but I have to. So here I go. Or running through because if I was a um, assigned to the hub that day, that meant I got to watch all the shows. So I would run and be like, I can't miss Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair. <laughs> also, I forgot about um, the Agrabah Bazaar sign in Adventureland. Uh-huh. Positive or negative? Positive. I love that sign. Yeah. Um, Because it's that uh, painted glass kind of look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love it. And also, I have a soft spot for it because when we were assigned to that store, my trainer kept calling it Agabar and <laughs> was dead set on calling it Agabar. And I wanted to, like, tell her no, but she was in her 70s and I didn't want to be rude. So I was just like, you can have Agabar, ma'am. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, does part of you wish that as you left, there was a plaque that said, here you leave the world of yesterday, tomorrow in fantasy, and enter the world of today? No. <laughs> that, that would make me want to put a gun in my head. Uh, I wish it said you're entering Agabar. That's what I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, now that I mentioned this, I just remembered I do love at Halloween where they have the pumpkins set up there that spell out, see you real soon. Yes. Great. Love Great those. sign. All right, well, I think that does it for this deep dive. I mean, who knew you could talk for an hour about signs, but who are we kidding? We knew, because we're Disney fans. Uh, so, Marshall, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you online? Sure. Um, you can check out DisneyBop.com. That's Disney B-O-P. That's kind of my website uh, that I've been running for a little bit, and weirdly, my senior project included writing for Disney Bop. So I have some pieces up right now that are collegiate level. Ooh, she fancy. Um, and then you can follow me on social media, Marshall underscore Knight on Twitter and Marshall Knight, all one word, on Instagram. Should we expect a full review of Freaky Friday on your website? You can find that on my Twitter where it's just screams. It's just... Ah. <laughs> um, I but will hopefully, say, if you like pop culture things, Disney and non-Disney alike, you need to follow Marshall because he is always on top of whatever is happening in pop culture. And he's going to give you the tea. Can I give you a quick aside? Because breaking news. Sure. Apparently, the Jungle Cruise film that's filming right now, uh, there's a British comedian. I think his name's Jack Whitehall. Uh, let me yes. make sure on spelling. Yes. He is uh, straight and apparently playing the first openly gay character in a Disney film. Oh. I Wait. See, Now, I, I, I thought LeFou had that honor, but okay. Read Disney, Bob. I don't agree. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good but to know. He, but apparently he's playing the first openly gay character, which get ready for that seething article coming to the website because that makes me angry. But anyway, I don't want to get angry right now. I've had a lovely time with you two. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. Well, we've had fun with you, so thanks again for playing along. Absolutely. 
And of course, listeners, you can always find us online at Mad Chatters on Instagram and Twitter. Send those emails to comments at madchatters.net, and we will see you next time. Hey, I saw the sign, and it opened up my eyes. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Just had to do it. Ha <laughs> ha